Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right, well, uh, we're going to jump into something new. What did we just finish last week? We just finished something. Yeah, we just finished Acts, didn't we? Yeah, some book of the Bible. We we're, we're preach the Bible here, don't we? Um, we uh, I was planning on going into the life of Joseph, and I started looking at it and was preparing for it. And I just knew the more I looked at it, the more I knew I wasn't ready for it. And I said, this, uh, this is going to have to be saved for another day. Um, so I had something on the back burner that I've had on the back burner for a long time. It's 1 Corinthians. And so I said, you know what, let's pull this up to the front burner. And I knew as soon as I started studying for it this last week and I started looking at those passages again and getting ready, I thought this is exactly where we need to go. So that's where we're at. 1 Corinthians. We're going to be right at the beginning of the book. Now I'm going to start with a little background. Can I have like 10 to 15 minutes of my, that part of my brain that I might classify as history channel is going to come out, okay, and develop some background here. So let's go into some background. Can I have 10 to 15 minutes to do that? Is that okay? You guys okay with that? Let's go back to this. And I was going to see, do you guys have the other clicker with the laser pointer? Is it up here? It's on yours? I wanted to use the laser today, not just because I like lasers, but... Um, this is Paul's second missionary journey, started at Antioch. And I don't know if you guys, you guys remember when we just went through Acts, I'm hoping that this is going to ring a bell, okay? Remember Paul, he was headed up this way, and when he got here, where was he going to head when he was around in this area? Do you remember where he was wanting to head, but then God could have, took him a different way? No, before that, this is way before that, second missionary journey, anybody remember? Oh my goodness, I'm so disappointed. Um, he was going to head down this direction. God took him a different way. And then this is where he gets the Macedonian call. Is that now? Is it ringing a bell? Yes? Okay. You guys can just nod your heads like you, oh, that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he heads up around this way, and we go down through here, and he spends some time in Athens, then eventually heads over to Corinth. This comes from Acts chapter 18. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Uh, What what was uh, Priscilla and Aquila's trade? Tent makers, that's right. That's what it says next. And he went to see them being Paul because he was of the same trade. He stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. Here's a nice little picture for you of Corinth today. This is Corinth. Um, I'll talk about this road in just a minute. There's actually up on this hill, and I think it's actually right off to the side here. There was a, a, like an Acropolis type thing that was built up on the top. And Rome, or I'm sorry, Corinth was known for its uh, idol worship. There were temples all up and down here to all sorts of different gods. This is one of the things that they were known for. Um, I'll show you Corinth in uh, Paul's day. Um, I may come back and uh, talk about this later. This is some interesting stuff that goes on here. That road that we were looking at, I think, is this road right here. Um, but I want to go to a satellite image real quick. Um, and ancient Corinth is actually right here. There's a modern-day city called Corinth that is right here, the one on the edge. Notice this uh, canal going through here. That what didn't exist in the time of Paul. 
uh, but they would actually, they would use it. Okay, see, I need to see if anybody remembers this. Remember what they did? They didn't have the canal. John remembers, he's shaking his head yes. Absolutely. D-I-A-L-K-O-S is what it was called. Uh, and they would, they would drag those ships across. Here's actually a remnant of that. And we don't know exactly all the details of how they did this, but there's a remnant of this going across there. And so now I'm telling you this, not just because I think old stuff is interesting. I have a reason for this. Here's a, a picture again back. This, this, Rome, or this road was called the Lechian Road. And so here we have this city, Corinth. It's right at the center of all kinds of trade. I mean, there was a, that, that place where ships would go through there. We've got this road that passed right through there. Rome was actually destroyed in 126 B.C., like 126 years before Christ. In 46 B.C., it was rebuilt by the emperor. Um, at that time, it was established as a Roman colony. And so what you find by Paul's day is that this city was hugely diverse. Now, this is going to be really important later on. I'm just mentioning it now. This city was hugely diverse. There were actually athletic games that were held here. There were merchants here. I mean, all sorts of people from all walks of life. What we're going to find is that this particular city is going to strike home. There's some things that when we go to Scripture and we read through, we have to think, okay, this is what it was like then, this is what it's like now. But we're going to find there's a whole lot of things about Corinth that is very much like it is today. There are going to be some really direct applications. I've got one more picture here to show you here. This is actually found along that road. And anybody recognize those uh, down at the bottom? What does that make you think of? What do you think? Yeah, the menorah, right? So this is... They've actually found remnants of the Jewish synagogue that was there. This is about all the pieces that they have left. Um, but we know that Paul, that's exactly what Paul would do when he'd go into a city. Paul did that in this city. He'd, if you remember this, uh, the sermon that we did on this when Paul entered into the city had to do with encouragement in Corinth is what we talked about. Paul just been through all sorts of things and he comes into Corinth and he's by himself. And he goes in and once again tries to witness to the Jews in the synagogue do they accept him or reject him? What do you think? Reject. There were a few that might have believed overall. And so we talked about this when we studied this the first time, Acts chapter 18. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, this is while he's in the city of Corinth, don't be afraid. Go on speaking. Don't be silent, for I'm with you. No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Does anybody remember uh, when we went through this the first time? I don't know if anybody was uh, remember. Is this coming back? Anybody? A couple of you? So here we have this. We find out that Paul then stayed a year and six months. That's beyond this particular amount of time. And so Paul was in Corinth for a significant amount of time. Keep that in mind as well. A year and six months after that. And actually, we're going to read that there's some time even after that that he stayed there. But he's ministering, developing this church. Have you ever been with one group of people for a year and six months training them? I spend, uh, you know, 180 days of school with one group of kids trying to train them in geometry. I've usually had it by the end of that time. But you get to know people in a relatively short amount of time. Can you imagine the relationships that Paul would have built with these people over a year and six months of ministering to them? Just try to enter into that reality for just a minute. You think he knew these people? Absolutely. After this amount of time, eventually, um, 
something happened here. Gallio uh, rises up as the new proconsul of this particular area, and the Jews make a new attack. Got a new leader, let's make a new attack. So they go against Paul. Gallio is like, I don't care. (laughs) This is ridiculous. This has to do with Jewish something. And he actually dismisses them. This is what the passage says. And then it says this, And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to it. So you get an idea of what Gallio was like. So that's the leadership in this particular city. And then you have this guy, Sosthenes. Keep his name in mind. He's going to come up again later. Paul then sets out on his third missionary journey. After he leaves Corinth, he goes a few other places, heads back to Jerusalem, goes back up, departs again. He actually goes through Corinth again, uh, but before he does, he goes to Ephesus, the place that he wanted to visit the first time. And it says this in Acts chapter 18, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. And so this guy Apollos comes in. This is important. Once again, I'm not just telling you this for a history lesson. In fact, those of you that like to take notes, notes, I hope you've written down some names. What's a name you may have written down already? Sosthenes. You think I might be hinting here that you might want to write down Apollos? He's important. You might want to write his name down and go, hmm, this guy's important. We may need, but he's going to be mentioned again later. Apollos came. He was from Alexandria. Apollos is eloquent. He's a wonderful orator, great with his speech. He comes to Ephesus, and he's speaking to them. And it goes on to say this, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue in Ephesus, but when Priscilla and Aquila, we heard of them before, uh, heard him, these tent makers, not really all that important, but this eloquent man from Alexandria, Priscilla took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And we actually had a whole time where we spent on this, where we talked about this man, Apollos, humbly accepts what they say. He then, it says, he wished to cross to Achaia. The brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples. Now, Achaia is the province, and guess what city is right at the center of Achaia? Come on, you can guess. Corinth, right? Okay, so this is important. Uh, Corinth, so right in the middle of the province, the, the, the chief city of Achaia. And the brothers encouraged him, Apollos, and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So they said, oh, you want to go to Corinth? Go. Paul was there for a long time establishing a church. So they said, go. So he goes. When he arrived, uh, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now, it goes on to say this in Acts chapter 19, and it happened that while Apollos was then at Corinth, okay, so Apollos is now at Corinth, eloquent Apollos, Paul passed through the inland country, this is that third missionary journey, into Ephesus. And just while I talk, I thought I'd put up a, uh, put up a picture of Ephesus for you so you can look at Ephesus while I'm talking here. So here we have, Paul is in Ephesus across the way. Apollos is over in Corinth where Paul had already established a church, almost two years worth of time being there. And now here he is over in Ephesus. This is where Paul, while he's in Ephesus, is going to write this letter to the church of Corinth. Okay? 
So Paul is in Ephesus, and this is where he's going to be writing this. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians from this city of Ephesus sometime before the final day of Pentecost, and so it would have been springtime. I try to find a picture that kind of looked like springtime in Ephesus just to kind of help you enter into it. It's unclear exactly which year he did this, but it was near the end of a three-year ministry in Ephesus. So Paul is actually there in Ephesus for a long time, ministering there, establishing a church. And then we're going to find out that he gets some news from Corinth. And it spurs him on to write a letter to them. Some info on this letter. One of the uh, commentaries I've picked up for this, uh, written by a guy named Stephen Um, 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 I don't know how you say his name. He says, First Corinthians presents us with an original contest that looks strikingly like our modern day setting. Here we meet a church that faces issues much like the ones that we face. I mentioned that a moment ago. I'll give you a, a hint, a teaser. He's going to talk about in 1 Corinthians how to handle disagreements among God's people. That never happens, does it? No, never. He's going to talk about how a Christian sexual ethic looks like when in the culture, promiscuity is the thing. Very different, isn't it? No. (laughs) Does that sound like the world that we live in? Paul's going to address to this church, this is what it looks like for you as Christians to live in a culture that's like this. He's going to talk about the institution of marriage. Have you heard anybody say that marriage is under attack in our country? You heard anybody say that? What does the Bible actually say? What does Paul actually teach when he talks about marriage? Paul's going to teach on that. How about when the cultural customs, just the way people do things, goes very different than how we might think it might be the right way to do things according to the Word of God? How do you handle those things? What about traditions, practices? Now, lastly, how does the gospel tear down barriers between the world out there and ourselves to make some type of connection? The reason why Paul addresses all these issues in this letter is because this church has issues. With that in mind, I want you to think about this. How do you think, if you were Paul, you might respond to a church that you had been with and established and and poured your blood, sweat, and tears into It was at a low point for you, but God came and encouraged you, and you worked with them, and you established them, and you were there almost two years developing this church. And then you get news. There's issues. How might you start a letter to that church? Maybe, am I going to have to come over there? Or, from Paul, let's get some things straight. Or how about, I've heard some news and I'm so disappointed in you. How about, am I going to have to pull this ox over? <laughs> okay, that, that doesn't make sense. How's he going to start it? Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians. This church living in a rough, rough city to be a Christian in. 
Let's take a look at how Paul addresses them, who this rough city that they've been in haven't done the best of jobs. And now there's problems, and Paul needs to address them. How is he going to begin this letter? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and our brother Sosthenes. Wait a minute. Didn't we hear that name already once today? When I read this, you know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of when my mom, and now see, this is two weeks in a row I've picked up my mom. I'm so sorry, mommy. Um, this, is, this reminds me of when my mom used to call for me up to the kitchen. Matt, please come here. And I would come up there. And when I got up there, I saw my sister Amanda already standing there. And I knew the informer had informed. That's what I thought of when I read this. I thought, I wonder, because so, where was Sosthenes from? Corinth. Now, it's great. Automatically, I started thinking, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. This is awesome because, first of all, I'm thinking he was a ruler of the synagogue, but he's obviously become a Christian at this point. Uh, that's amazing. But then I thought, because I've wondered, how did Paul get this information? Do you think that, in fact, I wonder if these Corinthians, when they first got the letter and they opened it up and they go, you know, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of God. Now, they know they're probably in trouble, right? They know there's issues. It's not like they aren't aware. And our brother Sosthenes. And I wonder if when they read it, they thought, oh. Now, with my sister, I was kind of like, oh, you know. With Sosthenes, I wonder if they just went, oh. Paul knows. Paul knows. Let's continue on. To the church of God that is in Corinth. So he's still kind of addressing them. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Still very formal. Little side note, who is this letter to? Help me out. First of all, who's it to? Church of Corinth, right? But does it extend beyond that? Think about what it says here. Called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Today, I think that we have a group in a place that's called upon the name of the Lord our Jesus Christ, right? So here we have this letter. We can very much easily say, clearly, without trying to work around, is this also to us? Yeah. And I think you're going to see that as we start to unpack 1 Corinthians, we start working our way through that, that this is relatable and understandable and helpful. But this, to Corinth, to us, to all those across this globe, called to be saints, sanctified in the name of Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder, those Corinthians, as they're hearing this letter read for the first time, maybe the elder of that church is reading it. We got a letter from Paul, and they're reading it, and oh, we heard Sosthenes, oh boy, Paul knows, and they're going through. And this, this would very much feel like the end of the greeting, if I was a Corinthian, I would have been thinking, oh boy, here it comes. Oh man, 
what is he going to say next? I'm trying to build that up because I think what he says next is absolutely amazing. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine those Corinthians before he even goes any further? I want to hope that it's somewhat like when my kids have been in trouble and one of the first things I say to them before I start laying out the punishment, I want you to know I love you. Right? Paul doesn't want them to think at all leading into what he's got to say. He doesn't still thank God for them. I give thanks to my God always because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Now there's more here. I'm going to come back to in a minute, but let's continue on through this. We're going to, we've gotten the history. We're going through this first part of this passage. He says this, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. By the way, rhetoric, speech, knowledge, very important to Corinthian citizens. Remember that Apollos that was the eloquent person? That's going to tie in later. This is an important thing, being a good philosopher. being able, And Paul, as he says, I thank God for you, he says, because God has enriched you. But these two, he knows these things are important to them. He goes on further, in what way? He says, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, when I've been in trouble, I don't always think that I have evidence of being a good kid. (laughs) Do you hear what Paul's doing here? I'm thanking God for you. And this thanking God is because the grace that God has given you, but I've seen that grace demonstrated because you have been a testimony and it's been confirmed among you. so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think those words would have rung so dear to these people who knew. We haven't been doing this church thing very well. And God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think that there is four things that Paul is saying here as he begins this letter. One, I'm grateful for you. He starts out by saying, I'm grateful for you. Two, you are blessed by God. Three, and he's saying, I'm saying that because it's evident to me and to others. That's so important. I've quite often with different kids said, I'm glad you're in my class. And I've had kids at different times say, why? And I'm telling you right now, if you hesitate or have to think of something, (laughs) what you say next is meaningless. Paul is including in here, here's why. Finally, I'm convinced 
you're going to make it. I'm convinced that you're going to make it. I'm going to shift gears right now because that's how he starts. But I, as I was preparing, and then I got into this morning, I thought, when I read this, I'm going to get a little personal here. I thought of you guys. I thought of Edgewood. So I want to say some of these things to you. Number one, I'm grateful for you. I underlined you, and then I actually put another note in my notes that said emphasis on you. Not generically. I'm not just grateful for having people fill up seats. I'm grateful for you people. You are the ones that God has brought to this church. And i got to be honest, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't swap a single one of you for anybody else. You're the ones, the chosen ones of God to be a part of this church. Two, I believe that you are blessed by God. You've been given the grace of God. How did Paul put it in verse 2? I adjusted it. I think you may notice the reference at the bottom ESV with some Pastor Matt added. To the church of God that is at Edgewood Danville, who are you? Those that are sanctified, you're clean, washed. You have a calling, you're saints, together like those across this entire globe in every place on every continent. You are the chosen ones. And I'm not just saying this. I'm saying this because this is evident to me and to others. God has enriched you. I can't tell you how exciting it is when I hear you as individuals speaking words of truth to each other. There's some of you in this room that I know, in fact, most of you, I would say, at some point, whether now or previously, have gone through some tough times. And I've seen some of you in the middle of those tough times, instead of speaking the words that you maybe would have said before, have said words of truth, words of grace. Now, sometimes you say it when you're in the middle of it, like a person hanging on the edge of a cliff, white-knuckled. But I hear you in those moments saying, God is good. God is good. And you're clinging to that. Trusting in his grace. Some of you straggle in here week after week sometimes. You just, you look, you look okay. I don't want to be mean. But sometimes you look tired. Sometimes you look weary. And maybe it's not on the outside, but sometimes I look at you and I think, I feel like these people are just worn. But you come back. Enriched by God. And I hear you say those things. Where before there may have been a, I can't. Some of you, I, I hear you say, I can because of God. Sometimes it's an, I think I can. Um, when I went to see Danny, um, 
is so exciting. Just in the time that I was sitting with him, I just stopped by to see him Friday after school. He was very concerned that because he'd waited so long in his life to put his faith in Christ, he said, I, I hope God isn't disappointed with me when I step foot in front of him. Well, first of all, I'm thinking, I'm so glad that he still believes he's going to, that's going to happen. He's put his faith in him. I said, that's not the case. And he said, I hope so. And I said, you could know so. That thief on the cross who had been mocking Christ and moments later says, remember me when you enter your kingdom? What does Christ say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. You realize all the different things Jesus could have said from the cross? Tough luck, pal. Nope. Today, I told Danny, I said, you know the thing about, I would never tell anybody, wait till the end, obviously. But the amazing thing about those who do and God still has graces, you know who gets to look great? God. And I told Danny, I said, God looks great because of the grace in your life. By the end of our conversation, he stopped saying, I hope so. Do I know so? And I was so glad that he'd switched that phrase so quickly. For you, all of you, you guys are gifted by God. God's grace has been with you. It's evident, not just to me, but to others. I've had those come into our church just for a visit. They say good things about you. They don't say that you have it all together. But we're okay with that, aren't we? Because we know we don't have it all together. I hear a lot of people walk away and say, I felt loved. I think that's been one of Edgewood's strongest suits. We've had our ups and downs on all kinds of different things, but for years, that's been one of our strongest suits. When you walk in these doors, we're going to love you. No matter who you are and what you look like, we're going to love you. Finally, I'm convinced. I am convinced. I'm absolutely convinced you're going to make it. By the grace of God, you are going to make it. And go back to how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians. He says, you're not lacking in, in any gift. I've got to be honest, there's so much more I'd like to unfold out of this, but I just want you to hear Paul's words and what an encouragement this would have been to these people who are messing up in Corinth. And I want it to be the same words to you. You're not lacking in any gift. You might feel like it on days. But we're not talking about how you feel. You're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are waiting, waiting, waiting. Jesus, come back soon. This Jesus will sustain you to the end. From this day to the end. Guiltless. Why guiltless? Because of you? Surely not. Because of Christ? Absolutely. 
guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. I thank God for you right now that you're here. God has blessed you. Don't forget that. He will continue to do so just as much as you need today. Your faith is evident to me. If for no other reason, when you show up white-knuckled, clinging to God's grace and saying those words, sometimes through gritted teeth, God is good. Trust in that. And you're going to make it. God, our God, is faithful. I want to encourage you to say those phrases through your mind as you're going through your week this week, no matter what it is you're facing. God is faithful. And he will sustain the very end. God is faithful. And if you can't remember anything else this week, let those words echo through your mind. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, God, for each and every person in this room this morning. Lord, I prayed this morning, and I believe that you have answered, that you have brought into this room today exactly, exactly who needed to hear these words. I pray that these words would sink in deep. I pray that everyone that's in here would know. I'm, I'm grateful. I thank God. I wouldn't trade a single person in this room for someone else. All baggage included. I pray that those that are in here feeling desperate and at the end of the rope would know. God is faithful. He will sustain you to the end. Lord, in just a moment, we're going to partake of communion together. As we get ready to do this, Lord, I know that the Corinthian church messed this up. Lord, let it be for us what it ought to be. Each person equally taking in our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray now that you would begin to Stir in our hearts as we prepare for this. Help us, Lord, to begin examining our hearts. Lord, we have a hope to be found in you. Or if we've been clinging to other things, let us release those and hold on to you. I pray now as we commune together, God, that you will, by your spirit, help each and every person in this room to feel, to sense your gratitude, your gratefulness, pouring through each and every one of us to the others in this room that we're grateful for each other. 
Lord, let us know because of what you did on the cross that we will make it and you will sustain us to the very end until we as well can say, it's finished. We're done. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could have the men come forward, please. For those of you that are visitors in this room, just so you know, um, as we hand these things out, I want to encourage you, grab that cup, right? We've got our little double stack cup, right? The cup, the bread. I encourage you to hold on to those things. Examine your heart and say, Lord, I need this. I know it's not just bread and cup. I know that's so much more than that for me right now today. I need you, Lord, to make it through this week. And as you take it, I want you to be believing that God will sustain you to the very end. Now, what's interesting about as we do this, this little tiny piece of bread, it would sustain nobody for very long in reality, would it? It's just a little scrap. Now, now, when the leftovers are around and we can eat a whole pile of them, that's, man, we can be held up. But this little thing, would that really sustain you? No. What does it represent, though? Right? So as you take it, you think, well, this wouldn't sustain me. But God, you will sustain me to the end. You will. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Not because of me. I'm weak. I'm going to make it. Take that cup. Think of Christ's blood shed on the cross, who made it to the very end as far as God had for him, as an example. And it says in the scripture that that's exactly what he did. He laid out an example for us that we might follow him. And some of the things you may have to face will feel like Jesus going to the cross. Just like him, take that cup, I'll make it. I'm going to make it. Not because of me, because of him. I can make it. I can make it through this week. I can make it through tomorrow. Make it to the end of the day at least. I can make it.